Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, we'll look at verses 28 through 30. And I've been kind of teasing you over the past uh, month or so about our word, where I was suggesting some words to the Lord, uh, victory and conqueror and words such as that. And then 2021 began, and I thought, maybe our word ought to be disaster. Uh, maybe catastrophe, or maybe just the word mess would be a fitting word for 2021. But the truth is, in the midst of disaster, catastrophe, and the mess our nation and world is in, we can have rest. Amen. As a matter of fact, we've been promised a rest. Now, if you were with us on New Year's Eve, we mentioned the fact that the word rest can mean patient expectation, and that will be the context of the word we'll encounter here in Matthew 11 in this great invitation given by Jesus. It can also mean to recover strength. It can mean to be calm and quiet. In Hebrew, the word means to be still or even, <coughs> excuse me, wait. It can mean to settle upon or cause to be. And we'll find later in the year from Jeremiah 6.16 that the word rest in the Hebrew can actually mean rest, just like we think about the cessation of labor and being rejuvenated. Now, a little backstory to what we're going to talk about and predating rest uh, even long before the New Testament as a promise from God. Back in Exodus 33, 12 to 17, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he, the Lord said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go up with us, then don't bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people, uh, will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So shall we separate your people and I from all the people who are on the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. These verses are crucially important to our understanding of the word for the year because the Lord had just given the Ten Commandments to Moses. And because Moses was gone too long for the people's liking, the people decided, you know what? Let's throw our gold in the fire and out jumps a golden calf. Let's strip off our clothes and worship it. We have no other opportunity to do anything other than that. It was indeed what the people had done. The Lord said, get down from the mountain, Mo. The people are messing up. Go down there and straighten them out. Moses interceded for the people, and the Lord told Moses, Take the people into the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses said, You told me what to do, but I can't do it without you. You need to assure me that you're going to go with us, and if you're not going with us, don't send us. And the Lord replied and said that his angel, that would be the angel of the Lord, a Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. The Lord said, I will do this because you have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. 
So, in the midst of a time where God's people had fallen into idolatry, a time when the Lord said, I'm sending you into a land filled with enemies, he promised that his presence would go with them and that he would give them rest. Now, the word rest in Exodus means to settle down. I think that's pretty appropriate for today. We need to settle down. Amen. And we live in a time where much of the church has fallen into idolatry, yet we are the people who have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We are the people whom the Lord knows and calls us by name. We are a people who are living in a season of history where we are surrounded by enemies. And I believe the Lord would say to you and I today, settle down, cease from wandering. And we may feel like Moses did, feel like asking the Lord, Hey, are you going to do this 2021 thing with us? Are you going to go with us into this mess, this disaster this year that's already a catastrophe? Well, I think our answer is from Jesus himself in Matthew 28, verses following ours in 18 to 20, where Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, as he commissions the church, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all the way up to 2021, but then you're on your own. <laughs> I am with you, how? Always, even to when? The end of the age, so be it, or amen. We're at the end of the age. We are at the end of the church age without question. And the Lord has promised to be with us through it all. So how can we settle down in unsettling times? Well, Moses wanted some practical insight into a divine promise as to how to apply what the Lord had spoken to him. And we're going to take that same course this morning as we look at our theme verse for 2021 and those that follow it. Our title this Sunday morning, my first Sunday of 2021 is simply rest assured. Rest assured. Now the Lord is going to offer an invitation to us to rest in Him. And we can be assured that He who promised is faithful who will also do it. And if He called us to rest, we can have rest and that rest is ours to embrace. So let's learn how to settle down in the midst of all we're seeing and experiencing, even though we live in a time of abounding lawlessness, and rest assured, not only is he going to be with us, he's coming to get us. Amen. And I believe he's coming soon. Amen? Amen. So would you stand and read with me, please, our verses for the day, including our verse for the year. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Lord, we are so grateful for this invitation this morning to come to you and find rest. And Lord, in these perilous times prophesied in your word by Paul, foretold by the prophets, covered in great detail in the book of Revelation, we thank you, Lord, that we can find rest in times such as these in you. Teach us how to have it and how to apply it to our lives. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the first thing that came to my mind in reading this is that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is mighty God. Jesus is the Holy One of Israel. He is mighty to save. He is the King of heaven. He is the glorious coming one. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the God of our salvation. He's the son of God almighty. And if he says, come to me, I think we ought to do it. Amen. Amen. He then qualifies the scope of his invitation by saying, come to me, all you who labor. Some translations render that are weary and heavy laden. Now, the Greek word for labor means tired from hard toil. Heavy laden means to be overburdened, like one would overload a beast of burden or put too much pack on a pack animal would be a way to understand it. He then offers in exchange for these things, rest for weariness from hard toil and being overburdened. Isn't that just like the Lord? He says, give me your stuff and I'll give you something better. Give me your burdens and I'll give you something lighter. Now, in Revelation 22, 12 to 17, we're also told by Jesus, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. And then he states, he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who, what's the next word? Do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things where? In the churches. This is a message to the church, even though it's well beyond the church age. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you the... Uh, to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears say, come and let him who thirst come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life. How freely. The weary and heavy laden, the one who hears and is thirsty. Whoever desires can take of the water of life freely. And Jesus testifies of these things in the churches, including CCT today. Amen. Now, come to Jesus and he will give us patient expectation. Would be the most fitting understanding of what he's inviting us to. Not necessarily the cessation of labor. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. Because Paul tells us that we are to labor and strive even for the sake of the kingdom. And Jesus mentioned that there are rewards in heaven for the things done for his name's sake and glory here on earth. Now the connection between the invitations in Matthew 11 and what we just read in Revelation is established by this same chapter and what Jesus said prior to what our verses are this morning. In Matthew 11, 20 to 24, he, Jesus, began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not what? Repent. He said, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. 
But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you and you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. That's a pretty hefty indictment. It'd be better uh, for Sodom. It will be better for Sodom than it will be for Jesus' earthly headquarters. And it's after this pronouncement of impending judgment that Jesus gives the invitation to come and find rest for your souls. Now listen, here's what all this means to us that will help us settle down and help us to rest assured in these disastrous, catastrophic, and this world is a mess times that we live in. Are you ready? Yes. Listen this morning, everything, say everything. everything. Everything we have been promised is going to come to pass. Everything we've been promised is going to come to pass. Someday, we're going to drink from the fountain of living waters. Someday, we're going to put on instantly immortal incorruptibility. Someday, we will forever be with the Lord. Someday, everything that causes sorrow, pain, and even death is going to come to an end forever. Someday, we're going to see Him face to face. Someday, we're going to be like Him. Someday, these lowly bodies are going to put on glorious bodies. Someday, we will see Him who is seated on the throne, surrounded by an emerald green rainbow. Someday, we're going to see the sea like glass before His throne. Someday, we're going to hear the four living creatures and their mantra, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Someday, we're going to hear this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Until then, Jesus says, live in patient expectation of all of these things. I invite you, Jesus is saying, to live in my rest Everything we've been promised is going to come to pass. Amen. Come get us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look at 29 again. Then he says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for what? For your souls. Now, this is interesting in that this illustration would make perfect sense to those in Jesus' day. It was a common practice that when a young ox was being trained to pull a cart or grind at the mill or whatever, that it would be yoked with an older, more experienced ox in order to learn from the one who knew what he's doing. Jesus knows what he's doing. Yeah. He says, yoke yourself to me and I'll teach you how to make it. The rest of soul mentioned here paired with the take my yoke upon you tells us again that the rest that is in view here is not strictly a cessation of effort, but rather something deeper and even something exclusive only to those who come to him. Yeah. Hebrews 4, 1 to 3 reminds us, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel 
was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. We often hear people ask the question, why did God do all the things that he did, create all the things that he did if he, he knew man was going to fail? Because he had a plan to redeem him, even knowing that man was going to fail. Amen? Amen. Now the them of Hebrews 4, 1 to 3 are the Jews who wandered in the wilderness. And the gospel they heard was not mixed with faith, which again reminds us about divine sovereignty paired with human responsibility is how we come to faith, saving faith in Christ, which is equated this lack of faith with unbelief. And therefore they could not enter in to the rest that comes with believing the gospel. Now we might understand what Jesus is saying is this, walk with me and we'll carry the load and the burdens of life together. Yoke yourself to me and I'll teach you how to make your way through the tough things of life. And verses 28 and 29 both contain the word rest and the root of the words are the same. However, there are two different Greek words that are employed. Patient continuance in verse 28 and verse 29 is actually the word for recreation or recreation, a restoring of strength. can even mean a cessation of motion. Now, this is distinct for a reason, because when a person comes to Jesus or responds to Jesus' invitation to come to him, their search for soul rest comes to an end, even as their sharing a yoke with him comes to a beginning. And in the midst of all we are going through in recent months, we need to remember that what people need today is Jesus. Yes. Listen this morning, no matter who is president, Rest for the soul is still exclusively through Jesus Christ. No matter who controls the House and Senate, people need Jesus. The answer to America's woes is Jesus. He is gentle. He is humble, which is the meaning of lowly in heart. And he alone can invite people to have what life without him cannot give. And that is rest. Rest even of the soul. In the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, 32 to, 30, or 4, or 32 to 40, rather, it's my first day, you have to be patient with me. <laughs> Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. One of the great I am statements. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all of, of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at, at that last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone, say everyone, everyone, everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, 
and I will raise him up at that last day. Think about what Jesus says here in this invitation. Come to me. I will give. Take my yoke. Learn from me. You will find rest for your souls. Does not this imply a close, intimate, ongoing, personal, and even thriving relationship of a shared journey through life together? Yes. It's not simply a stated belief and then you go your own way. And the Bread of Life discourse highlights the fact that Jesus is our spiritual sustenance. He is our bread of life. And those who come to him, he never casts out. And he will be faithful to them so they will arrive safely before the Father at that last day, having lost none. I'm sorry, that was better news than that. <laughs> having lost none. Now that tells us that coming to Jesus is not just an escape from eternal judgment, though that's a good thing. It's a relationship that continues through life until we stand before the Lord. This is why Paul would say in the famed verse of Philippians 1.6, Be confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until when? The day of Jesus Christ. Listen, this too points to the shared yoke that teaches us until the day of Jesus Christ. He began a good work in us. He initiated the invitation. He invited us to come. He said, I'll share rest with you. I will travel through life with you. All who are weary and heavy laden, and he will continue with us until the day that we see him face to face. Now listen this morning. Here's our next takeaway that allows us to rest assured. It's obvious. It's simple. But it needs to be remembered. Listen this morning. Knowing Jesus puts our lives in his hands. Amen. Knowing Jesus puts our lives in his hands. Now, remembering this is a culturally relevant illustration. We need to note that an untrained ox yoked to the experienced ox tells us that the ox will not be walking or will now rather be walking in the manner of the one he is yoked to. Following the same cadence, the same pace, the young ox essentially is having its steps ordered by the more experienced and learned ox. Now the illustration makes a point that has always been true for anyone who yokes themselves to the Lord. Think about the most famous of the Psalms. In Psalm 23, 1-6, David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He does what? He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they do what? They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, you take care of me when I'm surrounded by enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then here's another promise. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 37, David would say this in 23 to 25. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. 
<clears throat> and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Somebody say, thank you, God. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. And then David said, I've been young and now I'm old. And I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. The word comfort in the famous Psalm, Psalm 23, can mean repentance. And that reminds us that as the Lord orders our steps, as we yoke ourselves to him, our missteps are going to be corrected by his steps because of our proximity to him. Much like a young oxen training may try to pull in its own desired direction at times, but the yoke that binds it to the teacher ox is going to keep it tracking in the right direction until that direction becomes his norm. Satan has been trying to pull us in another direction. He has been trying to threaten us, and it is crucial in these last days to recognize the majesty of this illustration. But we also need to point out, Jesus didn't say, I'm going to chase you and lasso you. He said, no, you come to me. If you're weary and heavy laden, you come to me. It's the same invitation he gave to his original disciples in Matthew 4, 18 to 20, where Jesus was walking by the sea, saw the two fishermen brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, <clears throat> excuse me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Listen, Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, follow me and I'll do something different in your life. Follow me and I'm going to change the purpose for your existence. I'm going to do something in you that is far greater than catching fish. And he gave the same invitation to all of us. Listen, when I realized that I had something going on health-wise and uh, got tested for COVID, I got tested twice just to be sure. I went into a hotel in an effort to stay away from Terry. I didn't want her to get it because of her heart condition and the things I uh, shared with you previously. I was having a hard time. Hello? I was having a hard time. I was worried about her. And to be honest, I was in shock that I got it. I couldn't believe I got it. And I felt like, to be completely candid, I felt like I'd been abandoned. It was a very strange feeling. I didn't like it at all. And as I sat in my hotel room <clears throat> in my pity party, Asking God all the why questions. Get this. This was the strangest thing. And, and I, I was, did I say I was having a hard time? Yeah. I was having a hard time with this whole thing. I heard a voice say to me, and it wasn't audible, but I heard that still small voice say to me, read today's bodybuilders. Now listen, I don't read my own devotionals. <laughs> so... I knew that wasn't me because that thought would never come into my mind. Read your own book. Now, so I opened up to January 6th, and this is what I saw. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I was dismayed. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you. I felt terribly weak. Yes, I will help you. I felt helpless. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Listen, it was then I realized that his promised protection for me was not from COVID, but through COVID. And I don't know why he takes some home through COVID. I can't answer that question. That's up to him. But listen, I do know this. Me being yoked to him meant my life was in his hands no matter what happened. Now, when Terry tested positive a week or so later, there was no fear. There was no despair. Why? Fear not, I am with you. You're yoked to me. Do not be dismayed. One of the most powerful things she said in the midst of all this, when she finally realized and went down and got tested, she tested once negative, then tested later positive and had all the symptoms and all that. She said, I have total peace. Complete peace. And because God gave her peace, that gave me peace. And because we had a promise from him to fear not for he was with us, both of us, I think, realized even when he allows what we hope we would avoid, being yoked to him puts our lives safely in his hands. And he is faithful. Amen? Amen. Now let's take a quick look back at verse 30. He then ended this section by saying this, For my yoke is what? Easy. Easy and my burden is light. The word easy can mean useful. It can be translated as better. His yoke is better than the yoke of striving and uh, living under the law or any of the other things that we place as burdens upon ourselves. And the yoke that would be placed on an ox was handcrafted. It was custom fitted to the shoulders of every single ox that would bear the yoke and the burdens attached to it. A carpenter would contour the yoke so it wouldn't chafe the skin and cause discomfort, making the yoke better and therefore the burden lighter. Now, obviously, we can look at this in so many ways. The law was a burden to bear. Grace is much lighter and easy. The fears and worries of life weigh us down and we labor to endure them. But Jesus sharing the load with us makes it easy and makes it light. Amen. <laughs> and we also need to recognize that in Christ there is a yoke. We do have things to learn. Anybody here this morning? Yes. We do have things to learn. And being yoked to him is going to direct our path and correct our missteps. Now, two contrasting statements here, one from the Psalms and two, one to five, where this question is posed, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed or his Christ, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his what? Wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Now, in contrast, John the Beloved says this in 1 John 5, 1 to 3. 
Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of him. And by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not what? Burdensome. Burdensome. Consider what we saw in these two contrasting responses. Let us break the bonds of God's word and cast off their restrictive nature is what Psalm 2 is saying. That's the response of the world to Jesus' invitation to come. His commandments are not burdensome is the response of those who have said yes to coming to him and being yoked to him. And listen, we have been watching the devolution, if you will, of our great nation. The word of God that our laws were founded and established upon is now seen as archaic and even bondage to outdated beliefs. We're watching communism take over our country. And one of the most heartbreaking aspects of this is there is a nearly entire generation of young people who think that's a good thing that communism is better. It's an easy time to become discouraged. And yet patient expectation is what we're promised by yoking ourselves to him. And one point we need to make that will bring us to our conclusion, and that is the primary meaning of the word burden is an invoice due. An invoice due. And here's what that means as it relates to resting assured, recognizing that everything he promised will come to pass and that knowing him puts our lives safely in his hands. And this is what we need to remember this morning that will allow us to settle down in these unsettling times. And it's this. Listen this morning. The burden of our sins has been permanently lifted. The burden of our sins has been permanently lifted. Now listen, we're in uncharted waters as the church here in America. The church has always had adversaries, right? Heresies have always crept into the church to one degree or another. But for the first time in our history, Christian voices are being censored. Half of Americans think the church is America's main problem and needs to be silenced. And listen, a pro-life, pro-church, pro-Israel president was just rejected over his personality and not his platform, and a pro-choice, anti-church, anti-Israel president was elected to replace him in spite of his platform. But listen, listen this morning. None of those things overshadow the fact that our sin debt has been paid in full. None of them. The burden of our sin was permanently lifted by Christ on the cross. And many people are saying, you know, things just can't get any worse. The Bible says, yes, they will. <laughs> but that doesn't overshadow the fact that our sin debt has been paid in full by the blood of Jesus. Amen. That was a really weak amen for that. Amen. Now, Revelation 1, 4 to 8, John says to the seven churches which are in Asia... Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Aren't you glad about that? Yes. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins, how? In his own blood. In his own blood. 
and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Somebody say, Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come. El Shaddai, the Almighty. Yes. Is our country a mess right now? Yes. Yeah, but our sin debt's been paid in full. Is lawlessness abounding today? Yes. Yeah, but our sin debt has been paid in full. Is the American church being persecuted in unprecedented ways today? Yes, yes but our sin debt has been paid in full. In Revelation 2.11, the Lord says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I believe the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, Settle down, I got this. Settle down. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by what? The second death. Then at the other end of Revelation in 20 verse 6, we're told, Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has what? No power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Listen, I don't know how bad things are going to get before the Lord comes for us, but I do know he's coming for us. Amen. And I do know we don't have an appointment with his wrath. So we can rest assured that everything promised is going to come to pass. And our lives are in his hands until it does, as is our eternal destiny. This year's not off to a good start. Hello? This year's not off to a good start. Can we still have patient expectation? Of course we can. Maybe some today need to change their proximity to Jesus. Maybe some of these things have pushed you a bit further away from him. He's still saying today, come here. Come on, come here. Let's get this straightened out. Let's get the yoke back on you so we can walk together through this. And let's eliminate that distance between us that for whatever reason, whether it be the financial strains of the pandemic, which has just been horrific. Amen. Seeing people we know get COVID, some people going to be with the Lord, others meeting their eternal destiny without knowing the Lord. This is a hard time. These are perilous times. These are difficult times. And now we add to that all that the church is experiencing today and how our voices are being silenced today. Listen, I think we need some patient expectation of what God has promised he's going to do. Did he not tell us it was going to be like this? Yes. Should we not, therefore, make sure that our proximity to him is close in times such as these and not allow any distance to come between us? And I have to say, I shared what I shared with you about my hotel experience because it was just one of the most powerful moments of my Christian life, I have to be honest with you. I mean, I was discouraged. I was dismayed. I was borderline distraught. I was so worried about my wife, knowing that I had been in close proximity to her. And 
I wasn't any big fan of having it myself. And it was, why, 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 why? I thought you had me. I thought you had us. And he said, I do. You're the one that got this thing all twisted around. I got you all the way through. So fear not, don't be dismayed. And we can do that even now. Remember, right after a horrific act of idolatry, the Lord said, I'm going with you into the land where you're surrounded by enemies and I'm gonna give you rest. My angel will go before you. Jesus just said, you know what, Chorazin, Bethsaida, even Capernaum, judgment's going to be hard on you because you did not respond to the miraculous things that I did. But he didn't end it there. He said, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you patient expectation." A patient expectation that runs so deep, it is recreation to the soul, so to speak, or an absolute rest, a cessation of labor, striving to become worthy to be saved. I'd say that's a pretty good offer, wouldn't you? So let me just encourage you, let's, let's settle down. All that really matters has long been taken care of by outstretched arms, pierced hands and feet, and a sword in the side that caused blood to flow, covering your sin and mine, paying our sin debt in full, and nothing can change that. And let me remind you what Jesus said, that he will lose none. So, as we make our way through the balance of this year, however long I'm... I'm suggesting to the Lord regularly <laughs> that he come in January. <laughs> Amen. Maybe the 17th would be a good day. That worked for me. But however long he leaves us on this giant dirt clod that is getting to be more and more of a lawless mess as each day passes, we need to settle down and live in patient expectation that everything he said is going to happen. And that, uh, I love the transition period that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 50 to 52. Heaven. Actually, it's faster than that. It's way faster than that. Heaven. Over heaven. We're there. How long are we going to be there? We'll be forever with the Lord. Is that going to happen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's promised, so it's going to come to pass. So let's settle down, live in patient expectation. Remember, our commissioning is to go to the world and preach the gospel to every creature and offer the same invitation that was offered to us. Come to Jesus. He'll forgive your sin. You'll find rest for the soul. Yoke yourself to him, and life will be better. You know, we get ripped off by so many things, right? So many phrases get taken from us. And, you know, there's a book that I, I don't agree with the content whatsoever. But it's called Your Best Life Now. And you know what? 
life is as good as it can get when you're yoked to Jesus. And then it gets better forever when you're with Jesus. So it's still a better deal. And the best life right now is a life that is yoked to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's settle down and walk with him until he takes us home. Father, we are again grateful for your matchless word. We are so thankful for our word for the year. Lord, as uh, unusual as it is in comparison to the things we've looked at in the past, how fitting is it that it comes on the heels of trust? So help us, Lord, to trust in that invitation you have given to us to come to you, change our proximity to you, initiate that closeness by responding to your offer of rest, Lord, uh, in the sense of patient expectation, but also rest in the sense of the cessation of labor, striving to be worthy and accepted by you. Rest for the soul. We thank you for these things that are ours in Christ Jesus. Thank you especially for paying the invoice that our sin had created and marking it paid in full by your own blood. So help us, Lord, to remember these things and settle down in the midst of these unsettling times to live for you and for your name's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's mighty warriors said, Amen. Amen.